Hello and welcome to Everyday Mindfulness with me, Christine Charles, life coach in the areas of resilience and radio presenter in health and well-being. Now, I'm not going to give long introductions today. I think we know each other fairly well by now. And I think you will be acquainted with the whole purpose of Everyday Mindfulness. But if you do want to know more about me, then you can go on my website, which is Christine with a C dash Charles.com. I am so excited about today's uh, podcast, today's episode called Pebble or Pond. Before we dive straight in, I want to say hello to those who are new to this. Hello, wherever you are, whatever part of the world that you're in. I hope whatever situation that you're in, that today's today's podcast, today's words bring you comfort, love, joy, and peace. And for those who are regular listeners, hello, and I pray the same, that these words that I'm about to speak will bring you peace, comfort, and love. I have attempted to record this around 10 times today, yes, and every time something, I would say something that I didn't like and I'd stop or I'd say something in a tone that I didn't like. And you know, I had to step away. I had to walk away and leave it for a bit. And just now before I dived back into it, I said, God, God, I take away this pressure from me where I want things to be perfect. Take it away from me. So I'm going to put my trust in God because he trusts me and he trusts you and he loves you. I'm just going to go for it. And, you know, if I do say something where I have to repeat myself again, forgive me. I'm being raw and I'm being vulnerable and we don't do enough of that in today's society. So here I am and here we go. Today is all about pebble or pond. Now, it's a journey that I'm going through myself at the the moment. Am I a pebble or am I a pond? And there's no right or wrong answer here. But what I am seeing at the moment, and you you will too, look around your community. You'll see people who want to make a difference and people who are already making a difference. And you can make a difference without having to. And this episode is just for you if you're wondering, how do I make a difference? How do I step into a mentality of peace, faith, love? Or if you want to take it wider into your community, your work, your marriage, this is the podcast for you. So, This is one of three podcasts that I will be doing, focusing on Joseph, Martha and Mary, fascinating characters in the Bible amongst many, and they made such a big impact, didn't they, in the history of faith, and still do today. Now, let's flip to some scripture, Genesis chapter 37, where we start to find the story of Joseph happening. Joseph had a remarkable, remarkable journey, starting at the tender age of 17, where he was tending his father's flocks. A normal boy doing a normal thing for that time. The youngest out of 11 brothers, (laughs) loved by his dad, called Jacob the most. Now, those of you who are familiar with this story, you will know how 
favoured Joseph was by his dad Jacob. And for those of you who are new, bear with me for those who know this story, but I want to just pull back and give us a gentle reminder about Jacob and then tie it all in. I'm going to pause about Joseph and look at his dad Jacob, but before I do, Jacob's mistake, which is debatable, in his innocence, he shared a dream. Now, Joseph was having many dreams, you know, in that in the build up to this, where God was telling him that his brothers one day would serve him. And in his innocence, one day, Joseph, oh, Joseph declared that to his brothers who, you know, were not very happy. <laughs> let's put it that way. Um, let's let's take this to real time now. If you, in your family, your community, or your friends, told them, one day, friend, one day, brother, one day, sister, you're going to serve me, and God has told me that. Imagine how they would react. Imagine if your brother, your sister, your friend, your partner turned around and said, God has told me one day you're going to serve me. (laughs) Imagine the initial reaction that you would have. And unfortunately for Joseph, his 11 brothers didn't take to this very well at all. In fact, in that time, in that era, the eldest in the The custom was that the eldest of the family would inherit the, would get a double portion and would be honoured by the family uh, head, which was the father. So you've got the youngest brother coming up to his brothers and saying, you're going to serve me one day. And this caused, let's say, a little bit of resentment and jealousy. Now, pause and let's look at Joseph's dad for a minute, Jacob. Jacob is Joseph's dad, was Joseph's dad, and he too had an interesting past. You see, Jacob was a twin. His twin brother's name was Esau. Esau was born first, therefore became the legal heir to the family by birthright. As I explained back then, the custom was that the firstborn would always be the legal heir um, to the family's inheritance. It was also custom that the father, towards the end of his life, would give that blessing to the eldest heir. Hope that makes sense. Um, So the twins grew up very different. Jacob, the youngest out of the twins, was a quiet man who liked to stay among the tents. He was also his mother's favourite, as well as his dad's. Esau, the older of the twins, was a skillful hunter. He liked to be outdoors. He was an outdoors man. Um, liked to, you know, work with his hands and be in the open country. One day, Isu returned home from hunting, a day of hunting, and he was so hungry, he wanted some of the food that Jacob was cooking. Jacob took that opportunity and offered his brother, his big brother, some food in exchange for his birthright, the special honour that Isu automatically had as the older son, which gave him the right to a double portion of his father's inheritance. That day, Isu put his temporary physical needs over his God-given blessing and sold his birthright to Jacob. And you can find that in Genesis chapter 25, verse 27 to 34. 
When the time came for Jacob and Esau's dad, Isaac, to give his blessing to his sons, Jacob, the younger of the twins, who had used his brother's hunger to trade in and gain his older brother's birthright and double portion of inheritance, contrived with his mother to deceive his dad into blessing him first instead of Esau. When Esau found that his blessing had been given to Jacob, he threatened to kill him. He threatened to kill his brother. Jacob fled. Naturally, he was scared. He fled and he ran away. And years later, we find that Jacob and Esau met and were reconciled. So everything was okay eventually. But it took a long time to get to that place for both brothers. So you see, in Jacob's journey, we see favoritism jealousy, as well as other things, but eventually forgiveness followed by reconciliation. Jacob went on to have 12 sons who became the 12 tribes of Israel. And I would recommend that you research into the 12 tribes of Israel. It's quite significant in today's terms as well. Chuck Pierce does a fantastic teaching on this and you can also purchase the Book of Enoch which goes into a lot more detail about the 12 tribes, how powerful they were and how significant they were in the coming of Jesus Christ. So 12 tribes of Israel came from the 12 sons of Jacob and this is where Joseph's journey began. Notice the similarities with Joseph and his brothers. Jealousy, conspiracy, eventually forgiveness and reconciliation. Isn't it funny how history can repeat itself in a family line sometimes? Everyone has a mandate, scroll, purpose, destiny to fulfil. A role to step into. Trouble is though that we are trying to be someone who sometimes we're not meant to be which can lead to an identity crisis. I have seen this in so many occasions in my life as a life coach where people come to me where they think they have one issue, but actually when we get to the underneath the surface and the roots, we find out that it's about identity. And the number one question that people have in their lives, at no matter what stage it is, who am I? What is my purpose? So identity plays a significant role in your life and your destiny. What's your role in your family? What's the role that's been given to you by your family members? Joker, listener, provider, host. What role have you given yourself in your family? In my family, when I was younger, I had the role of joker. I loved playing practical jokes, joking about, uh, doing impressions. And you know what? I really loved seeing the impressions of joy, hearing the laughter, the deep belly laughter, you know, the kind on my mom, my dad, my brother and sister's face. And I took that identity into my communities as I got older my friendship groups, my work. The trouble is not everybody got my humour because we all have a different sense of humour, right? And so eventually I started to realise, who am I doing this for? 
Is it bringing me joy? So I'll leave you with that, but let's get back to Joseph. Here we look at the role given to Joseph by his heavenly father, Yahweh God. When I look at the life of Joseph, I see him transition into roles that were meant for him at that time, for that situation. Joseph as a slave, Joseph as a prisoner, eventually Joseph becoming the second most powerful man in Egypt. Now Joseph was sold into slavery by his brothers who despised him because of their because of their jealousy. They actually planned to kill Joseph but ended up selling him as a slave into Egypt instead. In Egypt Joseph was brought by General Potiphar and did well until he was falsely accused of making eyes at Potiphar's wife. Potiphar's wife really, really liked Joseph. Even though she was married, she lusted after him and she chased him. And Joseph every time would say, no, no, no. And eventually she conspired to accuse him to her husband that he had tried to, well, he tried to rape her and he hadn't. As a consequence, Joseph ended up in prison. Now, in prison, there was a butler who Joseph had interpreted dreams for. And the butler had said, what can I do for you, Joseph? And Joseph had asked that when the butler was released, if he could put in a good word for him to the butler's master so that he could be released. But unfortunately, the butler forgot when he was released. He did not fulfill his promise. He did not fulfill his promise to put in a good word for Joseph. And so Joseph ended up in prison two more years. During that time, Joseph was put in charge of other prisoners. Why? Because he knew what his skills were. He knew what his anointing was. And so he led. Notice how the prison guards gave him a leadership role before he became one of the most prominent leaders in Egypt of his time. Joseph was being prepared in prison, refined. Joseph ran that prison and the prison guards left him to it because they knew he had the skills of a leader and they trusted him. Whilst in prison, Joseph also interpreted dreams. He knew what his gift was and he used it. One day, Joseph interpreted a dream for a cupbearer. And when the cupbearer was released from prison, that cupbearer went on to work and become part of Pharaoh's household. And it was the cupbearer who remembered and recommended Joseph during a call out to dream interpreters that Pharaoh himself made whilst he was trying to understand what his dreams meant. That was not only Joseph's get out of jail card, but it was also his ticket into bigger and better things. God sometimes speaks to me through dreams and visions. And a few months ago, I had a dream of riding a bicycle. Now, I don't own a bike, nor am I very good at riding one, but I wanted one as a kid. And that privilege went to my brother. And it turned out he was pretty good at, you know, riding a bike. Were I, <laughs> not so good, work in progress. 
In this dream, I was riding a low seat with high handlebars. And when I looked this up on Doug Addison's dream course, which you can buy as a book from Amazon if you are interested, it said bicycle equals low impact job slash ministry. I was gutted, absolutely gutted. And if I'm honest, miserable for days. I eventually came to a place of acceptance and realizing that actually obedience is the key here in this situation. Irrelevant of the impact, I need to be obedient. I realized that my focus was on the wrong things and as soon as I did, I started crying. (laughs) Yep, I, I sobbed my eyes out. I spent a whole afternoon crying and apologizing to God for putting my own desires before his. A few days later, I had a dream in one night. I actually had three dreams in one night. The first one was of the actor James Franco. He was leading me into a place and I woke up before I could remember what that place was. The second dream also included the name James and so did the last dream. So I knew that God was very clearly leading me to the book of James. I spent the next week reading the book of James over and over again. Now, those of you who have read the book of James will know that it's not a big book. It doesn't take long at all. Um, But I kept reading it again and again and again. And I wasn't getting anything, anything at all. And it was causing me such frustration. And then one day, right in front of me, the following verse from the NIV version James chapter 4, verse 2 to 3, sprung out at at me. It hit me in the face. What that verse says is, and yet the reason you don't have what you want is that you don't ask God for it. And even when you do ask, you don't get it because your whole motive is wrong. You want only what will give you pleasure. That was a sucker punch for me. I had been praying with the wrong motives. I have also been praying since my dad passed away that God would create me anew. I have begged him that I would not make the mistake my ancestors made before me, but I would be someone who did things differently in my family line. I would be a plumb line. I knew when I was asking for that, that there would be a refining process, that I would have to work through some pretty, pretty narrow paths that would bring up issues from the root and they have but like Joseph I want to be a game changer having said that I'm still human and make mistakes I make mistakes all the time and I repent daily sometimes several times during the day when lockdown started food shopping for me was something that caused me great anxiety the queuing, the energy that I was picking up in the queues. And for those of you who are feelers will know exactly what I mean. It's a draining experience, isn't it? Only one person allowed in the shop from one household. Sometimes I'd get into the supermarket to find what I needed had run out. So I'd need to rethink my shopping list and how and what I was going to cook instead for the days ahead. I appreciate that there are people worse off than me and I always keep that in the back of my mind. In fact, it really does help me to remain humble and grounded. 
but equally, I have to acknowledge that this is my experience, as it is for a lot of you right now. So sometimes I would get cross and that would reflect in my reactions and responses. One day, a few weeks ago, in a heated moment of frustration, whilst queuing up in my local supermarket, I said the words, stupid people, out loud. Yes, I did. A few people in the queue ahead of me decided to change the direction of the queue, which caused confusion for me. It was already a long queue and the weather was not warm. You see, the lady who decided to change the direction of the queue had flip-flops on that day and I remember unknowingly making a judgment call on her in my mind that she was wearing flip-flops and that she must be crazy because in my opinion it was cold. As soon as the words stupid people came out of my mouth, God rebuked me. He said, is this how you're representing Jesus? And you want me to bless you in your work. The verse from James chapter 4 verse 2 to 3 straight away came into my mind. And yet the reason you don't have what you want is that you don't ask God for it. And even when you do ask, you don't get it because your whole motive is wrong. You want only what will give you pleasure. Started to ring alarm bells loud and clear in my mind. When I came back home hours later, I repented, I apologised and I blessed that lady for being rude to her. I spent the next week doing so and in doing so started to notice that a refining was going on inside of me. The next time I went shopping, I I purposefully chose an attitude of peace and on purpose was friendly to people even when I didn't want to be. And I'm just being honest, sometimes I don't want to be friendly. I just want to get in the supermarket and get out and get home. I am a Christian. I believe in Jesus and I want to represent him, but I'm not a finished article and nor will I be. I just do my best and accept that it's an ongoing process of refining for me. Now, if we are not careful, we will get sucked into the fear that's around us and fear feeds on you. Trust me. Instead of praying for patience, understanding, understanding, I was praying for things that I was not ready for, things related to my work. Since then, I have been given opportunities to edify people and it feels good. It feels amazing. God's teaching me the small stuff right now, taking me back to basics. I encouraged a friend last month to start writing his book and guess what? He is. I knew that I needed to be obedient and pass that encouragement on to him. I threw a pebble and it's caused a ripple effect. Going back to Joseph, notice the important role that the cupbearer had. If it wasn't for him fulfilling his role, being the pebble and causing that ripple effect, Joseph would not have got to where he needed to get to at that time. The ripple effect caused by the cupbearer actually created the space for Joseph to own his pond. Becoming the second most powerful man in Egypt meant that Joseph could complete his God-given mission destiny, mandate, whatever you want to call it. By doing that, Joseph saved Egypt from famine. Lives were saved. 
This also led to his brothers coming to Egypt for food supplies and eventually meeting with their brother that they had once despised and tried to kill, leading to reconciliation, peace for the family and for the dad Jacob dying knowing that all was well with his son Joseph who he had grieved for for many, many years and his brothers. Sometimes we are called to be the pebble in the pond, causing a gentle ripple effect that actually cascades into something much bigger. And sometimes we are called to be the pond, to own the pond and make it survive in the most harshest of conditions and situations. Are you prepared to be the pebble in someone's life or are you chasing after the pond? Whatever it is, Embrace it and remember, Jesus loves you. Goodbye and God bless.